the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider. Before I look at the various news highlights, I want to tell you about my guest in the interview segment, Craig Joring, one of the co-founders of Hope of the Poor, an amazing organization founded in America with headquarters in Mexico City and Omaha, Nebraska, whose motto is alleviating the poverty of being unloved. Craig grew up in Nebraska and now lives and works in Mexico City. He founded Help of the Poor with Danny Ledger to impact the world and how the poor are viewed and treated. The website tells us that Craig works with the poor to help them overcome crippling psychological conditions, combat drug addictions, and make the journey from homeless and helpless to becoming hopeful and productive members of society. A truly wonderful story and ministry. And now the news highlights of the week. Sunday, June 18th. Pope Francis opened his Sunday Angelus by expressing his profound gratitude to all for their affection, care, friendship, and prayerful support during his time at Rome's Gemelli Hospital. He had returned to the Vatican on Friday the 16th. This human closeness and spiritual closeness were of great help and comfort to me. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you from my heart. After reflections on the day's gospel, Francis offered prayers for the 41 young victims killed in a brutal attack on a school in Uganda. Concluding his remarks, the Pope noted that Tuesday, June 20th, marks the United Nations World Refugee Day. He expressed his great sadness and sorrow, recalling the tragic shipwreck of an overcrowded vessel carrying an estimated 700 passengers that occurred last Wednesday off the coast of Greece. Hundreds were still missing. Monday, June 19th. I encourage you to continue your efforts to contribute to a revival of faith in and love for the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. This is what Pope Francis told members of the committee preparing for the forthcoming National Eucharistic Congress in the U.S. Indeed, he said, the Eucharist is God's response to the deepest hunger of the human heart, the hunger for authentic life, because in the Eucharist, Christ himself is truly in our midst to nourish, console, and sustain us on our journey. Sadly, nowadays there are those among the Catholic faithful who believe that the Eucharist is more a symbol than the reality of the Lord's presence and love. Also Monday, Pope Francis met with the canons regular of the Lateran, celebrating the bicentenary of their foundation. He recommended they follow four stars in their apostolate, prayer, community, sharing everything in common, and service to the Church. Also Monday, Pope Francis sent greetings to the Rome-based daily newspaper Il Messaggero, as it marks 145 years. He said he looks ahead to the 2025 Jubilee year, an event that reaches out from Rome to the rest of the world writing, Once again, during the Jubilee year, the Eternal City will become the central point from which the Christian message will be beamed to the world, rekindling hope and new impetus for the building of a more fraternal society. Also Monday, 
the Vatican published Pope Francis's apostolic letter, Sublimitas et Miseria Ominis, marking the fourth centenary of the birth of Blaise Pascal. Calling him a tireless seeker of the truth, he also stressed Pascal's scientific brilliance, concern for the poor, and relentless search for God. A key theme of Pope Francis's letter was the brilliant and inquisitive mind of Pascal. He noted how Pascal used his intellectual gifts to wrestle with the questions that troubled his age, inventing, for example, the five-penny coaches system, the world's first public transportation network. Tuesday, June 20th, the Holy Father received Cuba's president, Diaz-Canel Bermudez. Also Tuesday, the Pope sent a message to this year's participants in the Vatican Observatory Summer School, inviting them to never lose the sense of wonder in their research and in their lives as they continue to observe the universe with increasingly sophisticated tools. The 18th Summer School features the concepts of big data and machine learning and provides students with hands-on data analysis experience that they can use with their own projects. Noting how scientific tools, such as the new James Webb Space Telescope, offer astrophysicists the possibility to make new discoveries, he said, above all, we are struck by the vastness of the universe, its enormous extent, and the astonishing number of galaxies, stars, and planets that have been identified. Wednesday, June 21st, the Pope received the President of Brazil, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. There was no general audience this week, as the Pope continues his recovery from his June 7th surgery. Thursday, June 22nd, Pope Francis met with members of the Congregation of the Assumption and spoke of the key aspects of their apostolate, highlighting two particular achievements of the Assumptionists. The first is the apostolate of pilgrimages, beginning with a national pilgrimage to Lourdes, fervor for which he said, you have spread to distant countries as far as Latin America. The second achievement, said Francis, is their commitment to the media, which you develop today in all continents for a varied public, even those far from the church. Also Thursday, the Holy Father received Roaco members and handed them his prepared remarks, explaining he would not be reading his discourse because he is still having difficulty breathing after the general anesthesia he underwent during surgery on June 7th. He mentioned the breathing problems to several people during the Roaco meeting. Roaco stands for the Reunion of Aid Agencies for the Oriental Churches. Friday morning, June 23rd. In the Sistine Chapel, the Holy Father received the artist participating in the meeting promoted on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of the inauguration of the collection of modern and contemporary art of the Vatican Museums. There were about 200 painters, sculptors, architects, writers, poets, musicians, directors, and actors. Expressing his delight at being with them, Francis said, The Church has always had a relationship with artists that can be described as both natural and special. A natural friendship because artists take seriously the richness of human existence, of our lives, of the life of the world, including its contradictions and tragic aspects. It is also a special friendship, said Francis, especially if we think of the many periods of history that we have traveled together and which are part of the patrimony of everyone, whether believers or not. 
Let's look forward to a new season of rich fruits in our own time, born of a climate of listening, freedom, and respect. People need those fruits, those special fruits. Later Friday morning, the Pope received bishops from Mexico on their ad limina visit. Well, those are the news highlights, but stay tuned for my conversation with Craig Joring about his ministry, Hope of the Poor. And have a great weekend. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Someone recently asked me, how do you explain that Jesus did so much for people 2,000 years ago, but doesn't now? So I asked, are you letting him make a difference in you now? God has revealed all we need for happiness and peace, but we have to let his word impact the way we think if it's going to make a difference in our lives. St. Paul tells us, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Jesus told his apostles who he knew would face tremendous trials, do not let your hearts be troubled. He wasn't inviting them to receive peace. He was commanding them to claim it. Want God's Word to make a difference in you? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It starts by not letting your hearts be troubled or given to fear, anxiety, negativity, and constant complaining. Fill your heart with gratitude, truth, beauty, goodness, and the things of God. Then, regardless of your circumstances, you'll see Jesus making all the difference in you. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. There are a lot of ways to pray. When I was in the evangelical world, we didn't we didn't like rote prayers that the Catholics prayed. Nah, we we wanted to say our own prayers. We thought that it was coming more from the heart. Any kind of prayer, whether it comes from the heart and is a loose connection of words, or it is a prayer that the church has had for centuries, is good because it is prayer. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, welcome to Vatican Insider and another special guest in the interview segment. Today I'm going to introduce you to Hope of the Poor, an amazing organization founded in America with headquarters in Mexico City and Omaha, Nebraska. And the motto is alleviating the poverty of being unloved. The poverty of being unloved, that struck me more than anything else about the the entire website. My guest today in Rome for a visit is one of the founders of Hope of the Poor, and that is Craig Joring. He'll tell us about the other founder in a minute, but Craig, welcome to Rome. Thank you. It's great to be here in Rome. Well, we have a lot to talk about because your ministry, this Hope of the Poor, is just one amazing organization. Now, before I go into your actual work, though, tell us about Danny, who could not be here today with us. Danny, Le- Danny Ledger is the co-founder with me, with Hope of the Poor. We started the organization in, ni- in 2016. What we did, we met 
uh, through mutual friends, and after a year, we decided to merge our ministries together. Oh. So I brought everything that I had worked on for a number of years and projects, and then Danny brought 14 years of ministry experience and writing songs and and everything that he had done, and we formed an organization through that called Hope of the Poor. Now, Danny lives in Omaha, and he has six kids and a wife, and uh, and so we work, we collaborate a lot. We speak together when we can. Because you're mostly in Mexico City, and he is in, in Omaha, so you are from uh, Omaha originally, right? I mean, you're from Nebraska. I'm from grew Nebraska. Up in Nebraska. Yeah. And now, about the site, the website says... You work with the poor to help them overcome crippling psychological conditions, combat drug addictions, and to make the journey from homeless and helpless to becoming hopeful and productive members of society. How absolutely beautiful. Tell us a little more specifically uh, about your work. Yeah. In Mexico City, I work in places where most people are not willing to go. And so I work on the streets of Mexico City, around the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's around 250 people that are homeless. And then I work at the city dump, uh, one of the city dumps in Mexico City. I've done that for seven years, and I have access there on a weekly basis, and I, I bring hope to the people. But on the streets of Mexico City, most people that are homeless are addicted to drugs or alcohol so I bring them hope that they can change their lives and they can they can uh, they can have a relationship with Christ and he can change them and they can have a future I've learned a lot about the homeless being in Rome simply because as you can see where I live right across from Vatican City and and the Basilica the area of the Vatican has attracted a lot of homeless simply because of Pope Francis. Years ago, he set up showers for the homeless, and then he made barbers available on Monday, mostly for men. I mean, because they are mostly men. And then there's some shelters that operate overnight, and he's just done amazing things well, to make the world aware of, of the homeless, probably less the addicted, but he mentions that, the homeless, the helpless, the marginalized. He himself, it's do as I say and do as I do. So the Pope has created that awareness. But one of the most amazing people in the Vatican, and if you and I had only met earlier, I could have arranged a meeting, Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, he's Polish. He heads the Papal Almoner's Office in Rome, I mean at the Vatican. And he, for many, many years with John Paul being Polish, of course, he was on the altar. He was one of the uh, masters of ceremony on the altar at all John Paul Masses. He now heads this office, and he's the perfect person to do it. He's had a ministry with the poor for decades. People come to his apartment in the Vatican, the homeless, every single day. They prepare lunch for him and for themselves, a different group of homeless. Uh, the Cardinal knows 300 homeless people by name, and I'm betting you know uh, a number of, the, of yours by name just because you, you see them so often. But he and the Swiss guards go out a couple nights a week. They bring food, other necessities to the poor where they know exactly where they're sleeping or, or where to find them. So I will make sure the two of you meet because he will be awed by your work. And um, as Pope Francis would be if your paths would uh, whatever cross, you know. You're telling us what you do now, but what prompted you to found Hope of the Poor? 
I grew up in a very rural area of Nebraska at a very young age. My parents would always take us to the nursing home after church on Sunday. We would, one time we had a, a field trip, and I went to a very small rural school, and we had a field trip where they, were, they had a school for handicapped kids. And I, as an immature young man, I was... I thought that was funny, and I internally like I was, I w- I thought that was interesting that the, these kids who are my age could hardly read, and then I realized that they are no different than I am. They're a child of God. They're deeply loved, and this just hit me in a moment, and I started weeping. I haven't, I've wow. never recovered from that. And I've always had a heart for the poor or people that are people that are rejected or different and, uh, and through no fault of their own, through the blessing of God, God made them that way. I just saw the gift in them. Well, do you remember Father's words this morning during the homily when he said the guy who tried to pick his pocket yesterday on the subway? And um, he said, at times in life it's difficult. How, to, how can I turn around and think of this guy as as a child of God, and it's really f- amazing your answer because the very next words that I have on my little questionnaire form here, I'm saying, Craig, it sounds like um, it's so much like you're trying to get the poor to see their own human dignity and their own worth. Absolutely. I mean, and you basically just said that, you know. Absolutely. So, well, how have some lives changed? Have any of them changed radically? that you've seen tell us a story or two we have we have so many lives that are being changed in Mexico because when people encounter someone who comes in their life and gives them dignity that becomes a foundation for them being able to make changes in their own life so I use a model where when I find someone who's homeless and we decide we want to work together, I get them into, the, into a safe place. Right now I have 13 families that I've taken out of the street. Most were involved in prostitution and making a living in prostitution. All were addicted to drugs or alcohol. Oh, wow. And all were either homeless or near homeless. So the first thing to I, I need to do in order to be able to help them is get them into a safe place. Sure. And so we've rented 13 apartments and uh, in different sections of the city. And then what I do is I surround them with love and acceptance through all of my staff and our volunteers. We have 500 volunteers who come Your missionaries, on yeah, missions yeah. a year. And we just treat those these people that have been rejected. They feel like an outcast. They feel like they're not worthy of God's love and acceptance. And we demonstrate that through the, to them by spending time with them and loving, loving them and caring for them. And then we hold them accountable. And so Good. a year and a half ago, I started gaining access to a, a kind of a network or community of, of women and their families who work in prostitution. It's a very violent and difficult life. Oh, sure. All are addicted to drugs. All were addicted to drugs or alcohol. 
probably to get through what they have to get, what they were doing. Well, if you have no sense of self-worth and nobody's helping you, you, you begin to think, well, then I don't have any worth if nobody's helping me. Exactly. But you show them you care, they have human dignity, they have worth. Exactly. On the second meeting I had with them as a community, and we have 25 adults and 35 kids, and we had, it was Ash Wednesday a year ago, I had a mission with me. It was a focus mission, the, the Fellowship oh, yeah. of Christian... Yeah. Of university students. Exactly. And they came and they had brought a priest with them. And so it was Ash Wednesday by coincidence or God coincidence. And I said to the priest, what about if we brought the ashes and asked the people if they would receive the ashes? And he did. They all wanted the ashes. Wow. And afterwards, they were shocked by this. Because these are people that are outcast, and they are used to being rejected, and nobody would ever come to them and reach out yeah, to them. Yeah, why would you think of me today? Yeah. Exactly. And so they came, they circled around, and they said, do you care for us? And they were shocked. And they asked the priest, do you care for us? And they, he had a collar on. And so they were just, they had never seen Yeah someone with a collar come and visit them. And he said, yes, I care for you. And then they said, does the church care for us? And he says, yes, the church cares for you. God loves you. He accepts you. He wants to have you uh, follow him. And then they said, in that case, as a community, we all want to be baptized. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Talk about radical. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Exactly. No, and you know, when you look at what popes have written and said, it comes down to human dignity. It comes down to human worth. I I, I can't, I've never had a moment when I wasn't aware, I guess, of my dignity. But I, so I've tried to manage when I see some of the homeless. Like, how did you end up here? I'd love to ask a lot of them, maybe someday I'll get the courage to get their stories. And, um, you know, in many, many cases, alcohol is involved. Uh, sometimes it's a question of psych, you know, that you need not just physical help, but mental help, et cetera. So uh, that would be the more difficult one, I think, anybody where it's a mental case. But where someone simply doesn't think they're worth a tinker's dam, and you can lift them out of that, you know. Well, now tell me about your volunteers. Tell me about the people you call missionaries. Every year I have people who come on six-day missions, and I have a partnership with a convent of of 12 sisters, and they provide hospitality with housing, and they cook the meals. And then I take the people on a pilgrimage, on a mission, and then we have a retreat. And so I probably have around 25 a year, 25 missions a year. Lovely. And these are typically between 15 and 40, sometimes 45 people. And so each year I have around 500 people who come from the United States. They take a mission trip and they come and work with me. And what I do is I take them to the poor. It's interesting because both benefit. The poor are surrounded by love and acceptance sure. with my with with these missionaries, these one-week missionaries that I, I bring down. 
and they just surround the people and play with them. I mean, with the kids, and they value people. They give dignity, and it really makes a difference in their life because they've never had people sure. come to them and just love and accept them like that. And then the people who come down on missions, they encounter, and I coach them a lot each day. Like, I want you to encounter Christ. I want you to seek Jesus in the suffering poor sure. today. And so open the eyes of your heart. Well, now I will, when I um, announce you, know, you being my guest on the radio show, I will on that Friday before on my blog, I will put a link to, to the website. Does the website tell people how they can become a missionary? How they can ha- come on one of your missions? It does. It has our contact information. If they, if people write to that, we have open missions each year. They can come on. Most of our missions come with a church or an organization like Focus. Okay. Or maybe... Would a parish come down? Like absolutely. A parish in a, okay. Oh, yeah. That's most of yeah. my missions are, are from a parish. Oh, okay. Good. Uh-huh. Now, um, you know, we don't have that much time left, but how do you finance what you do? How do people know how to help you? Is that on the website? It is. We are funded by donations from individuals. And so as I receive funding, I'm able to expand our ministry accordingly. And so I've always operated on it with the idea that whatever God provides for us, and God's very generous that I should use those resources to uh, to build the kingdom of God. And so as I receive more resources, I take more families off the street. Right now we have 13 families that so wow. we've taken off the street, sure. and we're helping them into a different life. Well, basically you're very young. You said it's only tw- this has only been going on since 2016. I can't even imagine what's going to happen. I uh, people listening to this, wanting to help, wanting to know how. There might be a parish that ends up coming down because they heard your story today. So um, I should have said this halfway through the interview, but I've been talking with Craig Jolring, who is one of the two founders of Hope of the Poor. You just heard his story. You can see more and learn more by going to the website. And again, I will put that on my blog in coming days. So Craig, I want to wish you a beautiful time. It's a short time here in Rome. We met at Mass. Where else should we meet on on a Sunday? We met at Mass at St. Patrick's Parish today. So um, I hope the rest of your pilgrimage, not so much a trip, is very fruitful and that maybe someday, someday I can come down to Mexico City and be, a, and be one of your missionaries. I would love that, Joan. I'd love to have you come to Mexico City. It it would be a privilege. It really, really would. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.